Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies podcast. I want to again thank uh, Mario uh, Tiribasi, hopefully I said his name right, who uh, came over from Bleacher Nation Blackhawks to fill in on this episode on the show last week. But Michael has returned from his trip. So we are back to normal. And well, it wasn't really a normal week for the Blackhawks. We had one game canceled due to COVID and then two just crazy games. So I guess I'll kick it to you, Michael. Uh, Welcome back. And it was a wild week for the Blackhawks. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, Glad you were able to uh, find such a a good uh, fill-in co-host for last week's show. Um, had a nice time visiting with my family, so um, glad you avoided having to do a solo one without me. But uh, yeah, uh, Blackhawks continue to play pretty well under Derek King. Um, you know, I do think there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors involved here where, you know, the regulation wins that the Blackhawks have had have been, um, you know, against the lesser teams in the NHL, the wins that they've managed to pull off against, uh, you know, better competition, um, while certainly um, are impressive, uh, there's definitely a little bit of uh, regression to the mean that's going to be coming um, simply because I think they're like 6-0 and in their last six overtime and shootout games. Yeah, that seems unsustainable. Yeah. And, you know, while the Blackhawks have always been uh, good in that department, um, mostly thanks to Kane and Taves being uh, phenomenal in both of those uh, um, facets of the game, they, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to sustain uh, <laughs> uh, uh, being undefeated. So, yeah, well, you know, we're definitely seeing some positive signs though, especially in the last couple of games, Um, you know, Toronto, they fell behind, but it was the first time in a long time where they were able to fight back and they were able to do so by scoring goals five on five. Um, And the offense looked like the offense we saw last year. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was just a, you know, it was a it was a brutal first period, um, but after that, you know, they played really well, and then it was just you know an unfortunate ending with a, a tough bounce off of uh, um, that dump in, and uh, you know, unfortunately, Lankin and wasn't um, you know ended up being out of the net when it bounced in front. Uh, those things happen. <laughs> yeah, um, can't really blame him on that. Uh, yeah, but- ironically. It was, um, you know, I, I was thinking about it. That game against the Maple Leafs, the Blackhawks played great. They got some bad, you know, mm-hmm. early on in the game, there were some goals, you know, that they could add back. But overall, they played very well and outplayed the Maple Leafs for most of the game and didn't get a win. Then they played the Capitals and got pretty thoroughly outplayed, but ended up winning. So kind of hard to make sense of that sometimes definitely um you know and, and i did miss parts of the toronto game um 
doing stuff with my family. So, you know, I can't speak, you know, a lot onto, um, you know, exactly how they, they looked in that game. But uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, I, I think one of the encouraging things was Dylan Strom played well enough that, you know, they elevated him back into the top six. He was playing center um, and then, you know, came back in the next game and was, you know, kept in between Kane and Debrinkit. Uh, that's a good sign um, that well, maybe gonna, he's regaining some yeah. confidence from King. I don't know. It's, it's, I was going to ask you, because you were talking on um, Twitter that the Blackhawks had the first three lines, the top nine, were all guys that could, in some degree or another, contribute offensively. And you were yes. very encouraged by the makeup of their lineup for the game against the Capitals. Yeah, I, you know, I think it was their their best nine forward that they had available that day. Um, I, I would expect Henrik Borgstrom to be back relatively soon. He's been out with a non-COVID in, uh, illness, um, I think, for the second time in the last month. So I don't know if he's, um, you know, just been catching some other strain of influenza or whatever, but. I know myself, I've, I've kind of dealt with it, kind of that same sort of thing. So, um, yeah, uh, I think once he returns, uh, that would bump maybe Connolly or Kurashev out. Um, and I think it might also bump, bump uh, Strom back to the wing as opposed to center. But we'll have to wait and see on that because um, Borgstrom was kind of in the same boat as Strom where – you know, he was kind of in and out of the lineup a little bit early on, but seemed to be gaining King's confidence, um, you know, especially at the, the center position. Um, early in the season, they were kind of doing this, the same thing with Borgstrom that they were doing with Strom, where he was not just in and out of the lineup a little bit, but bouncing between wing and center. And it seems like they've settled on the fact that they'd rather have Borgstrom at center and rather have Strom at wing. Um, but hey, Strom's taken advantage of the opportunity the last couple of games uh, to play center and play with you know, you know his his uh, his mate to bring at and uh, you know anytime you can play with Kane it's a it's a it's a good thing. Um, we've seen that line in the past have some success, but we've also seen stretches where they've just gotten completely caved in defensively. Yes. Uh, that was not the case though in the Capitals game, despite the fact that the Capitals um, you know outshot the Blackhawks by quite a bit, but um, the Strom line was not one of the ones that, that was getting caved. Um, they, they played really well and Strom in particular, I thought uh, it was maybe his best defensive game, um, certainly of the season, um, but probably one of the better ones he's had in his Blackhawks tenure, to be honest. I, I thought he played really well in the neutral zone. He was breaking up some plays, um, was playing smart, uh, staying high, staying above the puck. Um, I think there was one instance where he kind of lagged behind um, on a back check, but um, you know, you'll, you, you, uh, I would absolutely take that kind of effort from Dylan Strom every week or you know every game. Um, yeah. If he can, if he can replicate that on a consistent basis, uh, he can stay in the NHL mm-hmm. and you know stay in a li- in the lineup. Yes, there's but, another guy that I was going to mention that. Also, I thought Tad maybe his best game of the year against the Capitals, or one of his best games of the year, 
and uh, that's Kirby Doc because he yes. just he really stood out like so you know not just to rush the end end rush on the power play goal but he was making a lot of stuff happen and was directly involved in three of the goals and that's like you know very encouraging to see yeah um I would agree that was definitely one of his better games and like you said it, it wasn't just the offensive side of things, I, I thought he played a 200 foot game. Um, there have been several instances over the last few weeks where um, I've been a little discouraged by his effort in the neutral zone and defensive zone. Um, and, or just, he, you know, didn't really have his head on a swivel the way some of the, the veteran guys have kind of been buying in um, with King and, and, you know, playing a little bit more responsibly, um, staying above the puck. Uh, Doc was kind of lagging behind a little bit in that, but uh, certainly in the Capitals game, he was doing all the right things. And I think I, I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, I think he ended up st- standing out a little bit more offensively is that he was doing the right things defensively. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, leading to some transition opportunities, uh, that sort of thing. So, yeah, uh, encouraging signs from a couple of guys that you know we needed. We, we need the Blackhawks, or I should say, the Blackhawks need to perform well in order to kind of keep keep in the in in contention for anything this this season. And you know they played well, but the mountain is still pretty high. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, I think they're taking two out of three games since King took over. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, uh, the the way they've been doing it isn't sustainable, but they need to kind of keep up with that pace. And you know, if what, it, you know, what and, you're hoping, yeah, what you're hoping is that then you start getting more rounded efforts, right? Yeah, then, I mean, I, they he took since he took over, they fixed a lot of the defensive deficiencies. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of got buy-in from the players that hey, you know, let's go back to the basics. You're, we're going to play safe hockey. We're, you know, we're going to dump it in. If there's nothing there, we're going to make sure we always, uh, you know, keep the third forward high and not let cover the um, cover the front of the net. Yes. Yeah. One of the big changes has been um, we no longer see two defensemen chasing guys into the corners or above the faceoff circle. Um, there seems to be a lot of times during game and and I haven't quite put my finger on exactly what they're doing because there are shifts where it seems like they're, they're staying with the man-to-man coverage. Mm -hmm. Um, but they just seem to be more willing to switch on guys than they were under Colleton where, you know, it it just seemed like they were chasing guys consistent, uh, constantly. And then when they were forced to switch, it always led to confusion and two guys would cover one and somebody would be left wide open. Whereas now it seems like they're switching more appropriately. Um, and maybe it's just the sort of thing where, well, there is a, I don't know if you saw this, there is a long article in the athletic where they went into this about the, um, the not sure who maybe it was, I think Lazarus or powers, okay. but um, they were talking about that. They're talking about simplifying, that they kept the system, 
but simplified it. And some of the players were talking about they kind of got they had too much in their in their mind when they were out there before. Like it was too complicated. That it's yeah. the same system, but just a little bit simpler concepts. Just you know, I don't know if they want to say more of a zone. Yeah. And I mean, that would make sense to me just because we haven't seen some of the same breakdowns. Um, you know, we, we're just never seeing two guys covering the same guy and then leaving a guy out in front. And, um, you know, the big thing to me is they're always keeping a defenseman in front. So I, I think what's happening is, you know, they're still playing that man and a half, but the defenseman and the center are communicating better and when there's a defenseman that's already covering a guy in the corner the other defenseman is making sure that it's the center that 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 goes to help and we leave or we're leaving a defenseman in front Mm -hmm. and um that just it leads to such better coverage in front of the goalie just because you know you're as the defensemen are just far more comfortable and used to covering guys there yeah because yeah the line you were seeing a lot of in the article was instinctual yes. letting them use their instincts yeah and you know one of the things we've talked about over and over and over on this podcast is the blackhawks are not a great skating team mm-hmm. um that is still not the case although again i think with the lineup configuration that they've are utilizing in the last game and hopefully with borgstrom it even improves a little more um is you know they it, it's probably their more or less their best skating lineup. It's not still not great, but I think what we're seeing is like, um, like you're saying guys are a little more comfortable. They're, they're thinking a little less. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that it would translate. It's really translating into, Oh, you know, they look like they're a step faster. I'd say they maybe look like they're a half step faster, maybe mm-hmm. just because they're thinking less. And, um, so I think that I think that's made a big difference in um, just the the coverage and um, the forecheck and the back check. And they're um, still giving up like they'll have games where they give up a lot of shots, but they're better like placed shots. Right. They're keeping they're, it more to the outside. They're yes. they're collapsing when they need to. Um, you know, there were a few stretches in the Capitals game where. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Capitals really carried the play and were, were keeping the puck in the Blackhawks zone quite a bit. But um, yeah, it was it, it, it far more to the outside than we're used mm-hmm. to seeing. And, you know, I, 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 I still thought that there were stretches during the Capitals game where the Blackhawks were outplaying them. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though the shot differential was, was quite high, I didn't feel like it was a game that the Blackhawks had no business winning sort of thing. No. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, to me, that was a, an encouraging game. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and, can only you know, do, um, you can only do so much against Ovechkin. He's going to get. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the Blackhawks gave them multiple power play opportunities and Ovechkin eventually cast, you know, cashed in on one of them. Um, but also, Hey, I mean, the Blackhawks, um, finally got their power play going in that game too. So, I mean, you look at those, these two games from this week, uh, Toronto, they got the five on five scoring Mm -hmm. capitals. They got the power play scoring. Yes. Um, Those are two things um, kind of going back to what we were saying. 
early on, King seems to have said, hey, we're going to go back to basics. We're going to focus on defense. They started doing that. They started winning some two-to-one games. They knew that wasn't sustainable. They knew they were going to have to start getting, you know, more five-on-five scoring, more power play scoring. And it seems like they maybe took um, some of that time, extra time that they had with the Calgary game getting postponed to work on a few things. And, you know, hopefully we're going to start seeing that translate a little bit. And these last two games can be taken as a good sign that maybe they can keep that defensive structure while also starting to figure out a few more things offensively. That's right. And just, I mean, getting some people towards scoring to start scoring. Yeah. Because like, you know, that might be a regression. Exactly. The other way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, we knew Jonathan Taves was eventually going to score some, um, you know, I, he's definitely not back to what he was and he may never get back to that point, but um you know, no NHL player that's getting that amount of ice time. And, you know, it's not like he was playing poorly either. Um, you know, with the amount of ice time he was getting, there's no way he was going to remain goalless. <laughs> yeah. um, and the same goes with Dominic Kubelik. Um, He's just got too good of a shot to get shut out for, you know, an extended period of time. Yes. Uh, I think we talked about it a couple of times, a couple of pods ago. It's just yeah. like, you know, goal scorers like that, it's going to come in bunches. Um, hopefully we're st- starting to see a little bit of that coming around for him as well. Yeah. And, if and then you get, yeah, if you get Kirby doc, yep. start doing what he did. Yeah. And the last game, that's really good. Yep. And Strom contributing a little more, um, you know, like I said, getting Connolly and Kurashev and Borgstrom more involved in the top nine, as opposed to relying on guys like um, Kara and Reese Johnson. Um not that those guys were playing poorly, but they were just being put into lineup situations that don't suit them. Yes. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, and honestly, I was encouraged by the fourth line a little bit um, mm-hmm. these last couple of games. I think, I think Slavin, um, Entwistle, and Carpenter uh, fit pretty well together. Um, you know, Slavin and, and Entwistle can both contribute a little bit offensively. Yeah. I was going to say, they're, they're kind of more in the um, the high end of fourth line guys. Yeah, potentially. Um, you know, they're they're still they they still haven't proven that they can do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Entwistle was really bad the first eight yes. games or so, but he had he had a couple of good games um, prior to his injury, where I was hoping that oh, okay, maybe he you know nerves in his you know first extended NHL stint, maybe he was starting to come around. Um, you know, so that, that injury came in at an unfortunate time, but I thought he played well, obviously scored a goal in this last game. Yeah, I guess um, I should say they have upside. They have upside, yes. Yeah. And, you know, Ryan Carpenter, you know, I know I harp on it a lot that, you know, he's the guy that the Blackhawks have to eventually force out of the lineup mm-hmm. if, you know, they're going to they're gonna go anywhere. But as of right now, he's still their most consistent guy there. I mean, he doesn't score, we know, but he does the things that you need from, a, you know, from that if you're if you're not going to score, you got to do the low event hockey, you know, for the two to one wins and that sort of thing. Ryan Carpenter does that. And that's one of the reasons why he's always gets elevated up into situations just because, you know, a coach needs, you know, if, if guys aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, 
you, you just the, up the guy that you can come and do those little things. Who doesn't mess up? Right, exactly. Um, but at some point, you need to have some of these guys with upside, mm-hmm. you know, seize those opportunities and, and and become more consistent, and then that'll force a guy like Carpenter out. As right now, we haven't reached that point. Maybe when Reese Johnson and Carr come back, one or both of those guys can can kind of seize on that that chance. Um, Reese Johnson was certainly, um, you know, another guy like Entwistle where, you know, his first 10 games or so were just brutal. Um, but he was also playing really well, um, in his previous couple of games before, uh, he got injured. So again, kind of bad timing there. Um, but yeah. Um, you know, I think we talked at the beginning of the year, um, Entwistle and Johnson are the two guys that, will be the the potential replacements for, for Carpenter. And, um, you know, both of them have upside in, in different ways over him. And mm-hmm. it's, it's imperative that by the end of the year, one of those guys has, has kind of pushed yeah. him out. So, yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm encouraged anyway, by, by some of those guys' play lately. So hopefully they, they can kind of get this fourth line figured out too. Yep. And I guess we'll just a little bit, because everyone's talking about it, but the COVID thing is just, I mean, most of these teams are vaccinated, so it's not like they're getting severe illness or anything, but these it's sweeping through the league. Yep, yep, and, you know, uh, you know you'd like to hope that, you know, with with the, the amount of vaccine, vaccinated players that there are, that, yeah, we don't see anybody who ends up having uh, you know, long-term side effects or a severe, uh, you know, illness where anybody would have to be hospitalized so far we haven't. And, you know, that's definitely encouraging, but, um, you know, with Canada or with, uh, was it Ontario anyway, um, starting to restrict, um, the number of fans. Um, yeah, I mean, that's certainly, uh, something, think certain states might uh, start to consider as well yeah here in the u.s i know um for me here in seattle uh, you know they, they they've been taking covid pretty seriously here mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be shocked if if the kraken end up uh kind of restricting the number of fans yeah you know and i, I mean i have tickets to a game next week and i'm already starting to think like uh do i, yeah, we'll do I really want to go we'll see we'll see um, and yeah, but, uh, it's, uh, certainly concerning. Um, I, I guess the other thing we should talk about, um, it's real the settlement, quick, yeah. yeah, is the settlement with Kyle beach. Um, you know, honestly, no, like new information has come out, um, mm-hmm. obviously with the settlement, uh, you know, um, uh, I, I would assume that would mean that whatever the Blackhawks offered and that, uh, you know, was enough to satisfy Beach and, you know, he's already spoken out. Um, hopefully he can continue to get whatever support he needs. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm still disappointed by, with the way it all shook out yes. um, with the way that the Blackhawks and the NHL responded to it. But at the same time, uh, at this point, uh, you know, we can't go back in time. We can only no. kind of go forward from here. Uh, hopefully the next step is uh, with the John Doe 
um, yes. complaint against them. Hopefully something else can be worked out with him. Uh, you know, that's that, that player has not come forward and, and, you know, has not spoken out and uh, yeah, and obviously certainly hope that nobody tries to, you know, to yes. force, force anything into that, that, no. that player isn't comfortable with. Uh, yes. But, but I was going to say just, obviously nothing can solve what those people went through mm-hmm. which is horrible but hopefully they got enough money to help their families and yeah help them, you know. and i do think it's it's important that we you know make sure that um you know as much as you can as a fan in that to you know make sure that the blackhawks aren't and the NHL aren't able to, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of push this under the rug. Yeah, don't let them forget. And, yeah, don't let them forget. And, you know, I, I know there's been some talk recently that uh, um, they've kind of, the Blackhawks have reached out to the Cubs um, front office to kind of maybe assist with, you know, what are some changes that we can make to kind of, you know, improve things over here. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I think the cynical view of that is, Hey, you know, you hired a ghost guy the last time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we're that's, kind of in this situation a the little guy bit. That did the horrible stuff. Yeah. Obviously it's a, it's a completely different regime in, in, in charge of things. And mm-hmm. um, not that the Cubs current right. front office hasn't had their yeah. own issues with, um, you know, certain, things uh you know i know they've talked about their lack of diversity and Mm -hmm. um actually i want to say that the blackhawks front office is probably more diverse than the um cubs front offices at this point (laughs) yes Um, but uh yeah i mean i don't think it can hurt uh to to at least open up communication there and get some outside opinion Mm -hmm. um i would hope that they would reach out to people beyond just the cubs um yes I think that would be a good uh, step that they could take is to, um, you know, I'm not sure exactly who the right people do that they could reach out to are, but, you know, make sure they have uh, the perspective of uh, psychologists and. uh, um, Yes. And it would also be good if they made a big effort to, you know, give aid to um, groups that help with victims of abuse and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, if, uh, that would certainly be something I would hope that they could do is to kind of make it an ongoing commitment. Um, but, you know, we'll see at this point. Uh, like I said, let's the, the thing we can do right now is just, you know, don't let them forget. Keep mm-hmm. Make sure um, we talk about it when it needs to be talked about. Yeah. Yep. And I guess that's where we'll leave it for this week. And um we have the holidays coming up. I, I think we probably, I don't know, we could do a podcast next week and then maybe the week after off. We'll see. Yeah, um, we we can probably play it by ear a little bit, um, you know, especially with the COVID situation. I, yes. I, at this point. Um, if we lose any more games. Right. We might I wait mean, till after. Yeah, I they're you know we're playing back-to-back games here one at home against nashville who i think is also in covid they are protocols yeah so i i would think that that game's still kind of in doubt i doubt 
a game in Dallas. Uh, I don't see, see Texas doing anything unless the yeah. NHL, you know, unless, unless the stars fall into COVID protocols, but uh, you know, I don't see that's the sort of thing where like the state of Texas would actually cancel a game or anything no, like no. that. Um, and then, you know, they're going to be home for the next, you know, for pretty much the rest of, uh, of the month. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, you know, let's, well, let's see what next week's so Wednesday's the 22nd. Yeah. I mean, I think we can kind of shoot okay. for that. I think right. That's, that's probably a good, good opportunity, but then, yeah, I, you know, probably the next week might be a little more difficult with, mm-hmm. uh, with the new year's kind of falling on probably the days that we'd be looking, but we'll see. We'll okay. See. So everyone just, uh, we'll be back in yeah. some form next week and get yeah, uh, Michael, you're on Twitter. MJ underscore Ernst. I'm STH85 and you can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple podcast app. And yeah, um, until next episode, go Hawks.